You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. It feels like only yesterday when we reviewed a movie, Sid Talk. <laughs> it wasn't yesterday. It wasn't only yesterday, but it doesn't feel long ago when we watched Ben Is Back. It was a few days ago. I mean, we're one day off. I don't know what the big deal is. <laughs> We would have done it tomorrow, but we're doing it today. What's your before the after the show discussions? I'm playing The Sims. Uh, yeah, there is a new... And so everything you said I was ignoring. Tell them about it. The new... I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I'm just making me. Tell them what it's called. It's The Sims. No, the new... Oh, I don't know the name of it. You said it. The new expansion pack for The Sims is called The Sims Strangerville. Okay. And uh, it has something to do with... Aliens and UFOs. Yeah, the thing is, if there's a story and you got to play the story part, and that's not really my thing, so I will use all the stuff to build things with. This is what I do in The Sims. You're not playing it properly. I'm not. I like to make me and you, and then people I know, because <laughs> it's always really funny, and then uh, just build crazy shit and use all the cheats and. But we, the listeners, are relying on you to tell us what this expansion pack is like. That's. That's uh, you're unfortunate because <laughs> you're not you're not gonna get like the uh, oh and when you play this many countless hours and you trot along this many things you're gonna get seven simoleons to spend. Have you ever made? I do the money cheat. Have you ever made Mulder and Scully? Uh, yes. Oh, I don't know if I did. I think our nephew did. Yeah, he likes to make people yeah. do any other things. Well. There you go. So for right now, it's cool. I'm building myself. So if Sito is not paying any attention during this, Correct. that's because she's playing a game. <laughs> I'm ignoring you completely. <laughs> I'll play Call of Duty and we'll just go. Perfect. We'll talk about the movie. And Don't even act like that's out of the question. You're only not doing it because you can't quite make it happen. I couldn't. <laughs> I, I could make it happen, but I couldn't concentrate on two things. Correct. I am a male. That's species. not fair. We I mean, I'm not saying you're incorrect, but I mean, that's not fair. Men can only concentrate on one thing I would at like time. to think that a surgeon who's doing a surgery on me could focus on more than one thing at a time. And all my surgeons, except for one, I've had a few surgeries, have been men. Just the surgery and nothing else? No, they're focused on You can't on play Call of, of Duty and do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> but like keeping me alive and cutting out an organ at the same time, I think, you The know. keeping alive is actually down to the other person, the... <laughs> You know the. Oh, I see. So you're you're diminishing the role of men in all of society. Yes, we are charming, useless, and very single, singular focused. Hey, do not anyone ever complain that I said that because <laughs> I did not. All right, so it is Saturday, the weekend of Saturday, March the ninth. This is after the show. We're a movie review podcast. We are on episode five hundred and seventy-three. This is. Uh, the week we review a movie, like every week. And the movie we're looking at this week is Mortal Engines. It's a 2018 movie. Releases on Blu-ray on March the 12th. 4K, Blu-ray, and digital. Um, I think you can get it on digital already. It's PG-13 from our friends at Universal, who sent us a copy for review. And Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of Mortal Engines. Uh, hmm... Thousand plus years in the future, 
Some crazy shit has happened to the planet, and now there's a big city roaming around gobbling up everybody and everything for resources. And then there's, you know, rebellion that, afoot, and there's... That sounds mental. Craving for power, and there's small little revenges going on. So, yeah. The, but the main thing is, the landscape is... The landscape is destroyed, and we have big cities on great big roller thingies that uh, go like around... tank cities. Them. Yeah. Track cities, is that what they're called? Yeah. All right, so um, Mortal Engines. Did we see the trailer for this one? I think so, yeah. Um, they did make every effort to say they almost made me believe that it was directed by peter jackson even <laughs> though it is actually not it's um from peter jackson's team but he did not direct it but i i swore he directed it until i had i looked it up today i was like oh he didn't okay but he did write it along with his wife um so and it comes from a pre-existing thing it's a novel that he bought the rights to a long uh, time ago yeah, and there are four novels, and this is the whole thing squeezed into one movie, which lasts for just over two hours. So, let me say, I'm kind. I kind of love this film, but it is full of like I can definitely tell you, I can see why people wouldn't love it. But I loved a lot of it, but there are tons of things I didn't love too, right? But as far as like a big spectacle, I said to you, you better get some popcorn. This is probably a big popcorn movie. <laughs> you agree? It is a big popcorn movie. It is, isn't it? yeah. Um, the opening sequence where you first, where the camera pans up this city, let's say it's the city of London. It is a, it's on like tank tracks. It's huge and it is chasing down a little city, like to, to gobble it up. And this whole sequence of it chasing, it's a city. Imagine the city of London, the size <laughs> that it is, like, but stacked up. So into, you're really buying into it. Yeah, and it's it. chasing this tiny little city, and it's like a car chase, but it's a city chasing a city. And I was like, I've never seen anything like this. is crazy. And the camera was panning up London, and you could see parts of London, like, oh, there's the, there's the um, eye, the London eye. There's a load of double-decker buses floating in the air. There's, you know, you could see. See, I think it was too fast, and I didn't catch hardly any details whatsoever. I like the detail of there was the London Eye, but they had took the London Eye, and they had, instead of the little eggs that that you sit in, they'd put double-decker buses in each of the slots. And as it spins around, you get in a bus, and then it lifts you up to another level. Things like that. I I didn't even notice those were buses. Oh, you didn't? Nope. They were just double-decker buses. They They weren't double-decker. They were just one-decker. The red ones. Yeah. On the the London Eye, there were double-decker ones. Mm. The actual traditional double-decker buses. But anyway... See, I think it was all too fast for me to catch almost any details at all. I tried. I looked. And I just... Everything was just so fast. I would like a long, slower look... At everything on that city. I feel like I was, I was, don't be offended. But if you're super impressed, I don't really think, I think it was sort of superficial. Then you're just like, whoa, it's a city. But in fact, you couldn't really see that much. No, I disagree. I did think one of the standout things of this was it's CG. There's a lot of things that look green screen, but there's also a lot of things that look very good, I thought. 
kind of like, um, I'm thinking, kind of like Lord of the Rings. When you go back and watch it, there's a lot of dodgy stuff in it. <laughs> yeah. But then there's also a lot of things where you go, okay, yeah, that works, but that doesn't. Like, And this movie has that too. I was like, that looks awesome. And then the next shot, I'm like, oh, crap. It looks like they stood on a green screen. Yeah. Like, oh, you know. lots of green screen or blue screen, whatever in this movie. A lot. But it's not all bad. It's like good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. Like that. There's yeah. a lot of that going on. So, But I was impressed by this city chase, a car chase, but two cities chasing each other. Crazy. So what that was happening. And then you're introduced to like the heroine of this piece and, and the story starts to go. And then I was like, okay, this story feels like about seven other films that I've seen. First off, that was one thing that, that kept coming to mind. I kept thinking of different films and going, oh yeah, it's a bit of that and it's a bit of that and it's a bit of that. And it doesn't feel particularly clever apart from the world that they built. And as the movie went on, the visuals and the spectacle still got me and I thought it was good, like all that stuff. But any of the characters, when it comes down to the characters and the story part, I think it's pretty bland. And it, even a rip-off of other things at some points where you're like, oh, that's a bit too near another movie that I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And not just one movie. I, I kept thinking, oh, this is a bit like The Matrix. Oh, this is a bit like Star Wars. Oh, this is a bit like, what else? What other things can you think? Brazil. I didn't know. I've never seen Brazil. Some people said The Terminator. I didn't get that, but then when I realized what they were talking about, I did. It just feels... Oh, Mad Max, obviously. There's a lot of different things that it feels like, but then it does have its own identity as well, because the cities, I think, are the, the identity. The thing I really like think they missed the, the boat on, there are no boats, just cities, <laughs> Is like more city for us to see more cities, like to see, you know, New York or exactly. Obviously, they exist in the world. Well, you know, these other cities from the world. So, I'm going to ask you a question about this movie. You know, these cities that trundle around. Uh, why? I'm asking you the question. You're going to answer. <laughs> How am I going to answer it if I don't know? I think you. Well, you watched the film like I did. Okay. So I'm going to ask you. Why do the cities have to keep moving? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, in the movie, yeah. that is not addressed. That is not covered, really, unless they have a one-line throwaway or you're just supposed to grasp it. I think this is where I will inject that unless you've read these books and whatever other... I mean, there's got to be other... Con, you know, text about it. I don't know. Other people have filled in. Are, there, are these just books? They're not just graphic books. novels or comics or anything. Right. Unless you've read it all with that rich fullness that books give you versus movies often. A lot of this is lost on you. And you have to just, because if you've read it all, then your brain fills it all in automatically. Right? So they're just showing you like a glossy version of it. But you know all the stuff. We don't know. So I don't know why we have to keep moving. There's absolutely zero explanation. In fact, there's no explanation about what really happened. Not I mean, really. No, they I'm, mention earthquakes. Yep. They mention a devastating weapon, which we would equate to our nuclear weapons, but it's actually a quantum weapon, right? So we've blown up some cities and ruined the earth or whatever, but there's, it's not really explained. Well, yeah, it, the, 
the way they explain it in this, it's almost it's a bit too lazy for me. That yeah, very lazy. It's the it's inside the London. There's the London Museum, and they're walking in the London Museum. Two of the characters, and one's telling the other one what happened to the old world. And it, and I was like, this person would know already know what happened to the old world. He exactly. doesn't need you to tell him. <laughs> he lives on this bloody place. Like it's and I was like, you're just telling us. You're not telling him. And you're not doing a good job of telling us either. You you just all you said was there was a quantum weapon. The continents split apart, and now the world is different. No, the continents came together. Uh, you, There's it, a land bridge now where yeah, you know, it, all, it yeah. changed the the yeah. geographical makeup of the world changed, and then and then you jump to the conclusion that we have to be on moving cities. And then somebody says, well, not every, not every city moves. There are these people over here who like the static cities. And I was like, well, this is an allegory thing, isn't it? It's like some people, you know, yeah. want to move forward all the time to, to make change. And some people just want to sit and be the same. You know, it, it was that. You said during the movie, is this the Brexit movie? I did say that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is Brexit, right? Because that's the UK and there's Europe over there. Like it, it's, but it's not like I still, I still at the end of the movie, I have no idea why they had to keep moving. Apart from that Hugo Weaving's character just wanted to keep moving. Like he, he was like a greedy corporate I mean, we'll make... Here's his plan. This is the problem I have with the overall big story. Now, first, I really enjoy this movie. I have a good time with, like, fantasy, sci-fi, futuristic, anything. Well-made, poorly made, looks like shit, looks fantastic. Any of it, I'm kind of, like, in the zombie mode. I love zombies no matter what. It can be a bad movie, and I still find something. So I really enjoyed the spectacle of it and the idea. Then again... The only thing he wants to do is to go from gobbling up moving cities, because there's smaller towns and smaller nations, I guess, that move around, and he's been gobbling them all up. Yeah, let me just explain. His big city, right? And then there are smaller cities. His moving big city, around. Yeah, the, his big city chases a smaller city. This sounds like a cartoon, and it kind of is. Mm -hmm. It ingests, he even says the word ingest, ingests the smaller city, and then what they do with the smaller city is they take all the population of it and funnel it into their population and use them for like jobs and etc. And then they take all the shit from that city, not just shit, like architecture, uh, mechanical things, and they fuel their city with their stuff. Wait, they look for any old tech that can help right. them advance and then they just put it all in the fire. Yeah, so to make like their city furnace. go faster or move. Correct. Yeah. So, That's but his idea is, and there's a wall, because part of the world doesn't do this still. Even after a thousand years, part of the world is Asia. cities that, I mean, that's not explained, but... It isn't, but it... Nah, it's it not, kind so of it doesn't, it's the, irrelevant where it is, just that we know there's a wall. Kind of like, there's another reference for you, you know? The Game of Thrones thing. There's a big wall separating that world from this world. So, his goal is to change from the way of the old, which is this roaming city thing, eating up roaming cities, to just going around a place where everybody's stuck in one place. Right. So essentially, he wants to go from fishing in the ocean to shooting fish in a barrel. 
because these people can't even move around. He just wants to go gobble them up. That is zero motivation for any bad guy of any kind in any story whatsoever. Well, I mean, I don't even understand the, unless I read the whole book and got like, oh, so that's because according to the movie, that's all he wants is to break down that wall. And gobble those ones Gobble up, up everybody and over keep there. Moving. And still keep moving. Yeah. That doesn't <laughs> even make any, it's like it's like I had to really take a leap there because that didn't make any sense. There's the revenge plot that's like a little bit lame. I mean, it's heartfelt, but lame with the girl and everything and. You know, there are a, there are a bunch of subplots that run off, and they're all they all amount to not little to nothing really. It's like here's some new characters over here. Oh, we just need them because we are, we're having a battle later, and we need them in a big fight, right? That's how it feels. Yeah, to me. it's like here's your here's your here's a bunch of people. Oh, okay. Let's ne- let's not tell you anything about any of them. Actually, nothing. Yeah. They just look interesting. There's the interesting one. There's the interesting one. There's the interesting one. Oh, now we're having a Star Wars battle at the end, and now we understand those people. Barely. Yeah. Yeah, barely. So it's real, like, flimsy. The plot is very flimsy. The spectacle of the cities, I've seen nothing like that. I was a bit disappointed that they wasn't... See, you know, like, the world's so interesting, and the city's interesting, and the moving around in the world is interesting because... There's one section where they're off the city and they're walking in the tracks that the city left. And the tracks that the city left are huge. Like, really, they're deep in them. I love that. But I was disappointed that there wasn't, like, creatures in the world. Or, yeah, like, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's no, no nothing to bother anybody. It's just nothing. There's no, like, oh, damn, we're trapped. We're not on the city anymore. It's very dangerous. Because it isn't particularly dangerous. All that's dangerous are scavengers. Scavengers, and, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you might be sold into slavery. Is the danger there? Because there's an auction for humans at, at one point. Which is another trite Yeah, they're thing. just, they're <laughs> gathering up people. I mean, they're making money. So they want to obviously take advantage of anyone who's who is lost and out there in the world. Uh, you know, yeah, trying to roam around, trying to survive. But that was one thing I was disappointed that once we were off the city onto the world, that the world wasn't very interesting at all. Like it was, all the world is is a blank canvas that the cities run across. All the trees True. get demolished. There's just nothing to the world, which I know is kind of the point. The world got left up, and there's nothing. But it didn't make it very interesting that part. I agree. Also. Another thing they didn't do properly for me, and I would have done more of, is actually shown you around the city. Had scenes that took place in more places on the city. Agree. That's what I was saying about it. it's too fast. You get to you don't get to appreciate it. When the camera pulled over the city and you saw how wondrous, and you you know when you did look at it and see like it, it, there's like different zones of the city. There's like posh and there's like slums and there's subways and. But like all you get to really see is like one scene in the subway, one scene underneath the city, and one scene in like um Hugo Weaving's like apartment. That's literally it, isn't it? You don't see like I wanted to see the shopping centres and the, yeah. the the restaurant districts and it was obviously all there. It's just the budget doesn't allow for that, I guess, so you have to just quickly see a sweeping shot of it. So there was more there could have been more to that. I like the flying machines. Like, there's, it like goes, you know, at the end when I said to you, it feels a bit like Star Wars. It, 
it ends up in like a space battle, even though they're not in space, right? Like a flying, it's a battle. They're in like what are they? Planes, helicopters, gliders, all those kind of things, and they're attacking the city. That feels like you know attacking the Death Star. It really does feel generic, almost. <laughs> Don't that part. just remind everyone you're like a humongous Star Wars fan, so this might be why it comes to the front of your mind. It wasn't coming to the front of mine when so. it came to the front of my mind in this movie. There was a scene. <clears throat> no, I don't want to spoil that. I'm not going to spoil this one because I do think there's some interesting stuff in it. Mm-hmm. But there are two scenes back to back where I was like, oh, whoa, we've just turned into Star Wars. Like, it was too on the nose for me. And I know they're homaging other things. Obviously, you can feel it when you're watching it. Is um, it an homage? Or is it just using <laughs> that to like, it's not an homage. Or it's it like just ripping it off. Yeah. Um, because... It, Maybe because it doesn't have enough of its own thing, you have to make, you have some... Don't give them an excuse. They're just lazy. Well, I don't know if it's lazy, because they had to go about and do that. No, I think it's a lazy way to write it. It's just, or unless it's completely subconscious, so I don't think that's the case. But, like, I enjoyed all two hours and 18 minutes, or whatever it was of it. I really I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me I too. I like the music, I like the... The world is cool to me. Like I've not, I'm not. I felt like I was in that world for a while. I, I wanted to know more about that world, which was unfortunate because at the end I was like, "Oh, I need to go and research this a bit now." Okay, I, the first thing yeah, I said to you. Yeah, that's the big downfall of a movie like this. You don't even get the whole story. No. And while it's fun to go look it up and you go, "Oh, that explains it," and "Oh, there's more fan art and there's more concept art." Oh, I get it. I get it. But that's not how it should work. Now, it's super different to the book. I, I just... There's four books. And this is pretty much all of the books crushed together. The whole story... It's not... I said to you at the very end, Oh, wow. That's not... They don't do the thing that we see in so many movies nowadays of where they set up another movie. It's actually a, got a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it actually is fairly satisfying, I think, what yeah, happens. Yeah, I agree. And you don't go away at the end going, oh, God, we have to wait till next year to find out what happens, which is what the Hunger Games did. At the end of every Hunger Games movie, you was like, oh, is that it? Like, <laughs> I need to see more. This felt like it was a thing, and that was it. And they didn't really have a plan to make more of it, and they're not, I don't think. So I admired that, because it felt like I saw a whole adventure, and it was over. But um, And I did enjoy it all the time. It was just the writing, uh, looping you mentioned. Oh my god, it was so bad. There's some terrible looping. Uh, looping, we always mention it, but what it is is if they didn't quite get the lines on the set through the microphone, they re-record the lines and then put them into the movie. And nine times out of ten, you can tell because it doesn't sound the same as other people on the set. It's really hard to do it, actually. If I was to record this podcast... And you said some wrong lines, and I and I said to you tomorrow in the kitchen, yeah, just record, just say these into the mic so I can sort that out. It would sound like you said it into a mic afterwards, right? It's yeah. hard. It's I hard mean, because it. A highly professional person or group of people can make it sound exactly right because movies get looped all the time. They That's, do. Because you, if someone's skydiving and they're jumping out of a plane, you can't probably get the audio, and then you loop it later, and then you add in the air sound and the falling sound and the breathing sounds, and if you're good at it, it makes it sound like there was a microphone right there on the person. This, 
is like almost every single scene and it really bugs me. So I was like, oh my God. Oh, and some of it didn't even match 100%. So that was also kind yeah, of the, like, ah. Uh, you know the like old lady with blur the, my bob hair, the bob haircut. Like, yeah. Her, her actual lips didn't match the dialogue. It was so weird. Sometimes it did. Sometimes it didn't. I even noticed that. I was like, wow, that's really bad. It's out of sync almost. Not out of sync. She's saying something else and they're just dubbing something over the top. Yeah. And that's like, oh, I feel like sometimes that's like, this is the best we can do. We've got this footage, but we want to say this. And unfortunately, we didn't say it on the set. And some I can allow it sometimes if it's maybe one or two instances. But in this, it's a lot. It's a instances. lot. Yeah. Unfortunately. And you can see it. And Hugo Weaving's dialogue, it sounds almost like they didn't do his dialogue on the day. And they, know, he did it all so in a booth. it's so weird. Yeah. And his is, he's got, he's trying to do the fucking Batman thing. I think, I feel like they put some like synthesis Ugh. on his voice afterwards. Something. It was just not good. That part was really distracting, which lowers the quality to me. Because yeah. it's either rushed or, again, like I don't think Peter Jackson, and not that he had any say in it, but I don't feel like he has the highest standards of well, these things. It's you know, kind of like good enough is good enough. People think, like, still now, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is like the be-all and end-all of CG, and it's amazing, and it's such an accomplishment. But if you go back and watch it now... who it's got some bad stuff. It's moved a lot, CG, hasn't it? I mean, yes, when he did that, it was probably the cutting edge, right at the edge, you know. But now when you watch it, you're kind of like, oh, wow, that's pretty bad. Look at that. It, it yeah. always sticks out in my mind, the very end of the very last... Um, Lord of the Rings movie when those hobbits are just stood there and they look like they're on a green screen <laughs> you know at the big celebration yep. and you're like oh wow I guess they couldn't be there that day they just used some other footage of them and stuck them in it was weird looking it was <laughs> but um, yeah even though he's like highly praised Peter Jackson and he's like you know cutting edge and he's you know he uses technology and he does and Weta are amazing they've done some amazing stuff I sometimes feel it is a bit rough around the edges sometimes. But Mortal Engines is, it looks the part of this movie. I have sometimes, to say. most yeah. of the time. It's very but, sharp, oh my God, it's very there's well some very bad human ragdoll instances. So I was like, oh, again, diverting my eyes. But one <laughs> thing I thought to myself was there's never a moment in this movie where they hide stuff in the shadows. It's all very clean and clear. It's not like they're wobbling the camera really hard so you can't see what's happening. It's really nice to look at, like, almost always. But, you know, sometimes you're like, well, obviously those flying machines are CG and those people are real and there's a, there's a green screen in between them and I, you can kind of see the joins, like... Absolutely. It all looks... It looks good if you don't look... You know, if you don't look <laughs> right at the people. Don't <laughs> actually look at it. Yeah, but, like, the you know, the stuff looks good, like, the... You know, when the big cannon comes out the top of the city and shoots and it all looks really good, like like high quality. But um, the story is a bit generic. Yeah. I would say, you know, bad guy has got this motivation that's not particularly a good one. And the heroine and the hero have to stop it. And it really doesn't go any further than that, does it? That's no. it. Uh, and a ragtag, oh, also a ragtag bunch of individuals will help save the day. There's always that a rebel. Also. There's always a rebel hiding in the wings. <laughs> so 
while I super enjoyed it, like I would recommend it even <laughs> to anybody. I'd recommend it to people who like fantasy and getting lost in something like that for two hours or, you know, sci-fi or fantasy. I, I feel that there's something to be gained from this movie. But then I can also see why when I read some IMDb reviews later, people didn't particularly like it. And it was... I said to you earlier, I'm a big fan. <laughs> this is the, I'm probably the only person. But I'm a big fan of really major movies that cost millions of dollars <laughs> that fail, oh, like, badly. You know, that's just, like, hateful. It's like... <laughs> no, I'm actually a fan of it. It's like... It's like Somebody believed in it so much, like this movie, they spent over a hundred million dollars making it. It's huge. It's bigger than any TV show you'll see. It's huge. Like it, it's, a, a, you know, a season of Game of Thrones doesn't cost this much. And this is just for two hours of screen time. And it's huge. And they've invested all this money. And then you watch it. Audiences start to watch it. And then it really doesn't make people, it doesn't take but why do you love this? I just find it like it's. I, f- I like the idea of that risk. Like, okay, it's Peter Jackson and his team. Like, this will be amazing. We will. This will make a billion dollars. Is that their? Is that their idea, or is it like we don't know if people are going to love this, but we're going to do it. We're going to spend a hundred million dollars. I don't know what the actual what. I don't is, think anyone thinks their movie's going to be shitty. Well, it isn't shitty. What I'm saying is, <laughs> this is actually good for a certain audience, right? But maybe not for everybody. Like, I enjoyed it. But another person will be like, this is garbage. I can't even sit here and watch this, right? Yeah. And I think more people would say this is garbage. I don't know why, because there is a lot of fun to be at. It's, it's a simple adventure. Like, I likened it to George Lucas, Indiana Jones, something like that. They're not super complicated. It's an adventure, a bit of a romp. The mummy... It reminds me of the old Mummy movies with Brendan Fraser. Which also didn't look great, if you look back they on didn't, them. They didn't, but you, like, you yeah. had fun, didn't you, while you watched them for two hours at the time, and you were like, that's a good adventure. I had some fun. That's how <clears> this <throat> feels to me. But I I, know, I can understand why a lot of people didn't take to it. Totally. And another reason, maybe, is because it doesn't have a lot of famous faces that people can go, oh, well, Scarlett Johansson's in this, so I'm going to go and see it. Like, you know? Because... We'll get to the cast now. Our heroine, she's called Hera Hilmar. She plays Hester, Hester Shaw. I really liked her, but I said to you, is she, what nationality is she when she's speaking? She, she's trying, she sounds like she's like a Londoner or something, but then every so often I can hear something else and I thought she was French. She's not, she's Icelandic. But I don't think she was supposed to be Icelandic. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was like she was doing a bad job hiding her native accent. And I feel like a few of them were doing that. They were supposed to be Londoners, because this city they're on is London. Right. I'll, there was some ones who did the Mary Poppins thing, and I was like, oh, God. A little bit. Yeah, that was yeah. weird. Yeah. And then there were some who were actually... Well, the guy who's Irish actually just did a London accent, and I bought him, because when he was in the extras and he spoke Irish. He had an Irish accent. I was like, oh, well, I didn't catch that one. You mean thought, the main guy? The yeah. Kid. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was actually English. So when he spoke Irish, I was like, wow, he did a good job. So this hair, what did you think of uh, our heroine? Hera. I, mean, I thought she was good. I think that part of what you would feel like re- 
coiling from is that it's because it's such a spectacle and then with the flaws and the kind of weak story and she's taking it real hardcore serious. Yep. She is like broody beyond anything, which fits into some other movies. She has every reason to be brooding and sad, right? Yes. But it doesn't fit because he's goofy and does the funny goofy little um sort of slapsticky body movements all the time, you know, the guy who's her counterpart, whatever. And you've got the professor guy at the museum who's dressed like a cartoon character, but he's supposed to be real serious. And then she's kind of like semi grungy, but she looks really perfect except for the little scar on her face. And she's real like never smiles until like, you know, the da da da. I mean, she has, she has some anger inside her. She does. I get that. But then this whole world is fucked up. So why isn't everyone like that? Like, Mm -hmm. why aren't all these characters sort of like grungy? But she was fine. I just would love to see her. The tone of the whole movie had been drugged down just a bit towards a bit more, uh, you know, instead of almost like a comic book. Yeah. I liked her. I don't, I can't really, you know, like Katniss in, um, Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. You were never behind her either, right, were you? Not really. But I was because I'd read the book. And Again. then when I watched the movie, I was, I knew what was going to happen before it happened, and I was kind of behind Katniss with this character in this movie, even though she stands for something and all that stuff. It's pretty weak, and I can't... She's not like a leading lady type of thing. She's, she's pretty... She almost feels like a supporting character. Oh, I don't think that, but... I, I, you know, like the um, J, uh, Anna Fang in this movie? Mm-hmm. She felt like more of a hero to me than the lead hero lady. I felt... I, I know nothing about Anna Fang, hardly. Apart from they showed her on a, a message, on a video Anna Fang, the character. Right. Yep. They showed her on a video board, and it said like, oh, there's this lady, she's wanted. And then we meet her, and then she's real badass... And she's a badass pretty much the entire time. And I was like, for her, I was like, she's cool. I really like to see her adventure. Whereas Hester, I was kind of like, eh, <laughs> a bit, you know? I understood she's got some motivation in this movie that we won't spoil. But it's really kind of lame. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh. So I wasn't with her, but I was with some of the other characters. Um, but I didn't mind how she played it, apart from the accent dropping, like, it, it was weird. It was like I was I kept going, she's not English speaking, I can tell. So why is that? You know? Yep, that's always one of our complaints. Yeah. Like the dialogue coach didn't do quite as good a job as was needed. Uh Robert Sheehan plays Tom Natsworthy. He's our hero, but he's that traditional like Goofy. Goofy bumbling um Love interest. He, he's, you know, it, conveniently, he's been a pilot before. Yep, that's very convenient. <laughs> <laughs> so when it's time to be a pilot, he can be one, you know. There's all that stuff with him. And he was a bit too, you know. I'm, you know, one he had of no the f- angst either. I mean, we, you know, everybody in this story seems to have some bad parent problems. Um, and as does he, but he doesn't seem that upset about it. I like that they didn't, like, totally go the love thing with Mm -hmm. him. 
whenever they like you know him and our heroine Hester, there's a love thing there, but they didn't like do the Jack and Rose thing. It's not like super. It's like oh look, they'll probably love each other, and then they kind of always keep knocking it on the head. They never kiss each each other, if I remember. They don't. They kind of they didn't go there with that. I kind of like that. Um, but. Yeah, he's... I don't know about him. Did you like him as an actor, that guy? Um, he was alright. I mean, just kind of... It's a bit theatrical, like it's... Yeah, like what's a, that guy's name? I always say, like, Lee something. That Lee kind of, Evans? Yeah, that goofy kind of behavior in that old school... You mean, like, goofy from Disney? Um, kind of. <laughs> like, the body's like, ooh, ooh, whenever he's got an action scene that's very exaggerated. He felt like a stage actor. Yeah. Yeah. Hugo Weaving, who we're all familiar with, Mr. Smith from The Matrix, plays uh, Thaddeus Valentine. Um, I like Hugo. I think he was really hamming it up in this one. Like, oh my he was, god. Like, he was having fun. You could tell yeah. he was having fun with it. Yeah. Um, but I almost feel like the part is wasted on him. Like, it, it, I don't... I think he can do much better, and I don't think he... <laughs> like, like, Agent Smith... I think he's really badass, Agent Smith. Like, some of the lines Agent Smith delivers are just, like, memorable. You know, in the Ma- I'm talking about The Matrix. Mm-hmm, we know. Even in Lord I'll of the speak Rings. for everyone. We know what you're saying. Even in Lord of the Rings, I think Hugo Weaving was... He's memorable, like, he's, he's just memorable. Like, in this, he's hamming it up and playing this, like, Dick Dastardly baddie. Yeah. It's like, ha, 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 twirl the mustache. Also in a way that doesn't make any sense to any of us. We have no clue as to why. He doesn't, we don't get his background. We don't know that something terrible didn't happen to him or that he's some ancient descendant of some crazy person who wanted to take over the world. None of that. It's just like, boom, here he is, and he's a jerk. The backstory we do get from him, the only backstory we get is that flashback where he is um, with the archaeologist lady looking at the pieces. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all we know Which about it. Which just reconfirms that he acts like a jerk. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's, he's, he's like sat in the top of the city twirling his mustache. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have a mustache, but you know what I'm saying. Yep. He's doing that. <laughs> I'm going to rule the world. I, my, I'm going to rule this shithole world. Because <laughs> it's my, so great. Yeah, I am going to put my rabbit ear antenna up. And then I'm going to zap everything. And yeah. then... It'd still be shitty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not really worth being in control of. But guess what? We'll have a look. We'll have some more petrol, <laughs> so we can move this city some more for no reason because we don't actually have to keep moving. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> Is this why it's so fun? Because it's really quite bad. Is that why we think it's so fun? I mean, the plot. Yeah. Is yeah. Yeah. Um, Lelia George plays Catherine Valentine. I did learn. I was like, I don't know this girl. She plays the daughter of Hugo Weaving and she's the upper class obviously of the you know she's actually Vincent D'Onofrio's daughter and she's actually new to actressing what did you think of her? She was fine she did I think whatever part she was given again we don't know anything about her except she's his daughter right? and she like is people look at her like oh the rich girl and then she has a free pass to get past all the subway stuff or whatever to get and the guy's like whoa you know impressed that she's so elite which is not really that impressive and she's sort of naive about 
what's really going on. And then her discovery about her father has to be like, <gasps> you are no longer my father. That kind of thing. And I thought she did a fine job. Yeah, I actually thought she was all right. She just doesn't get a lot of room to move. Mm-hmm. She's just kind of trapped in that city. And-, and they try to make it so she's pivotal. Yeah, they do. But again, when you try to force a per- a character into like, hey, they're coming to save the day, but not really. We just want to make it look like that. It doesn't work. Um, G. High plays Anna Fang. We mentioned her earlier. She was my favorite thing in the whole movie. I mean, she was all right. She tried to be super cool, but she then some of cool. those lines were really bad. I mean, there were some bad lines. I don't mean the line. I mean, her delivery. I was like, what is going on? Is this like... I was totally shocked. For me, it was more just the visual of her and yeah, when, she she fought, cool. when she fights. But then there was nothing else about her, and that was sort of disappointing. Not really. And her whole crew, I won't mention all the names, but the guy who looks like Ezekiel from <laughs> yeah. The Walking Dead, and they've all got a certain look to them. They look like anime characters. In fact, at one point I was like, this feels like I'm watching a Final Fantasy movie. They all look like Final Fantasy characters. Absolutely. And each one has a very distinct look. So you're like, that's the dreadlock one, that's the that one. They're all different. But I and was in like, the book, they're probably whole characters with their whole thing. They've got nothing, no story. Uh, you can't pick up anything on them apart from... Nothing. When the guy who looks like Ezekiel talks to her in his native tongue. And he looks at her with those eyes. You're like, like oh, okay, is there something between... Uh, you have to make your own story up. True. <laughs> but yeah, I liked her quite a bit. But you're right, she did deliver some bad lines. Yeah. Um, There's a character called Shrike. And again, it's a subplot that turns into the basically the Terminator that's coming, <laughs> and it won't be stopped, and it's coming to get you. And it's called Shrike, and it's played by Stephen Lang, but it's a CG thing. It's, you know, it's his voice and his motion capture. I really liked it. But it also felt like just another thing. Like, let's have this thing, because it'll look interesting, and here's another thing that you, we can all go, oh shit, this thing's coming. Yep, exactly. And it was used in a way that didn't make sense yet again about how the whole situation Explain went what it is and what, how it ties into it. What is it? I what, mean... What Shrike is. Shrike what is. is what... Well, again, we're not given much information. There was a Lazarus project sometime in the last thousand years where people were resurrected, like parts of people mixed with machines. Again, not a new idea. Mm-mm. It's not Terminator necessarily. It's more but sci-fi it's, stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's not new. But Lazarus, of course, lots of religious sort of iconography in here. So Lazarus is supposed to be, I guess, I have no explanation, um, sort of like a never-dying breed of soldiers or people, whatever. So he's got the heart and not the heart, but the brain of a person in there somewhere, but he's like Terminator. We're just going to put it out there. And at some point he finds our heroine when she's a girl and then raises her and he's a robot, but he's, you know, can I ask you why he decides to raise her? I don't know. <laughs> Instead of like crushing her in the swamp yeah. where he finds her. I have no idea. Yeah. Me neither. Because we have no idea who these Lazarus creatures are. Apparently he's the last of his kind. Yeah. We don't know that because there's probably lots of lots of ground to cover on this planet still. So I don't know. It made no sense. It's an interesting idea. And Lazarus also sort of links to a 
Frankenstein type of thing, and there's lots of Frankenstein type references with the electricity and the yeah, sh- there is sh- yeah. shooting up everywhere. So he's sort of the Frankenstein who's like, uh, uh, you know, wants to not be lonely anymore. Um, and so he's on a path to find our leading lady, and uh, then using him for this whole big sequence to get a little thing, and I don't know, that part didn't make any sense. It didn't, but it's one of those things where you're like, this looks really cool, but like, and it, you know, they tried to Im- make it sad in a way, and uh, all that was kind of, I liked how he looked, but his whole, <laughs> uh, the whole idea of him, because it's not explained too well, and you're like, mm, so he raised her, but this guy's activated him to go and kill her. He hasn't activated him. He was going to try to go kill her anyway. Well, just, let him let him out. He was little, in a prison, yeah. which, of course, we have to destroy the whole prison. That's what I mean by activate him. Let, let him go. He let didn't him. do anything to him, though. Don't no. just misleading. No. He, well, he, he says it, it's programmed to go and get her. No, he's programmed himself. That's what I mean. Like, it, let he the has his own, the robot his has own his mind own. is to look after her or kill her or whatever. Well, Yeah. She promised him something, she broke a promise, and now he wants to kill her. Right. That's nothing to do with anyone else. He's not programmed or anything. It's just in him, he has come up Singular with this plan. Singular focus. Correct. And so... So it's literally the term. He just comes, and he keeps walking. Dun, 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 and you hear the noise he makes. Yep. And uh, he doesn't stop. And he kills a few people. Yeah. Unnecessarily. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. It's like... I, I don't know how people can forget the balance of spectacle versus story, even though it happens all the time. And I'm, like I said, I'm the first one to say I'm in love with a zombie movie. That makes no sense. But in this, you're throwing a lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of marketing. You want the whole world to love it. And you let one side of it completely fail, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I say, it's... Um, it's- like a massive spectacle to look at, but don't dig it at all. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I said to you, I'm having a load of fun here, but then as soon as it's over and I come and look, I, I went and read about the novels and there's a lot more detail to it. It's a lot different, actually. It doesn't even play out the same way. But um, it's almost the type of thing where I'm like, no, just read the novels because yeah. there's too much missed out here. The Hunger Games, I even felt the same way. But at least they had a bunch of movies to explain everything. You know, instead of just two hours. Um, so this is directed by Christian Rivers, not Peter Jackson. I'm sure a lot of people do think this is directed by him, but it isn't. Christian Rivers is uh, worked with Peter Jackson on the three Hobbit movies and the three Lord of the Rings movies. And he was a creative person in there. If you look from Wingnut Films... He's been with them a long time, but he's never directed a film. He's done a couple of shorts. He did a couple of the extras for the um, Lord of the Rings Blu-rays. So this is his first directed movie. And he seems like a a Peter Jackson type to me. You get what I'm saying? When he was speaking and the way he was was articulating what he was trying to do, it sounds like what Peter Jackson says. It sounds like he's, you know. You're saying he's a copycat? No, I think he's like a almost a disciple of Peter Jackson. Oh. Like he follows his code. Like, you know, like I, I, I love what Peter does and I, I like to do that kind of. Because I said to you, it even comes across like a, a Peter Jackson-ish 
even down to the flaws of it. Like it can- yeah, the thing is about you listen to them talk, right? And they talk about it took years for us to develop the look of the city because we had to think about the shaking of the this and the movement of the that. And I'm like, you're overthinking it. You're having too many meetings. You're thinking too much about that and not enough about telling a good story. Yeah. So to me, they over they think too much in the world of, oh, let's make it. I don't know. I don't even know. I just listened to him. I'm thinking, why did why did it take you like since 2008 to design this city? You just start. You they brought a whole team down and they discussed the dynamics of it. And I'm like, one person could have done you some sketches. You'd be like, that's cool. Let's do it. I do think Peter, <laughs> I'm simplifying it. Peter but Jackson's philosophy uh, they overthink whole, it his whole thing is about he likes visuals and he likes showing you something you haven't seen before and that's the reason one of the reasons he took on the lord of the rings thing was because those stories exist and he wants to just bring them to life so you can see them the same with king kong the story exists but you he wants to you to see a perfect version of king kong like visually and he he tries to do that i think and this I don't is think the same. He's 100% successful. I think he's read the book of this too and, and gone like, well, the, the, on the page, that sounds like something nobody's ever seen. And we haven't. We haven't seen cities trundling around. True, but it's no different to me than a Transformer. So I don't know what the big deal is about it. I mean, I'm never going to see that in life, but on a movie, I get it. It's fiction. I've seen giant robots go down the city streets fighting, and now I've seen a city rolling across the landscape. It's I'm not like, oh. <gasps> I've never seen that before because it's a movie. You know, they can feel, do anything. How I feel about Peter is that though. I think I think he's interested le- less in the story and more in like how it looks on the screen. Agree. And if you go all the way back to Bad Taste, his very first film, which was made like literally on like his school lunch budget, it was very small movie, and it's a horror movie, and it's got really awesome like special effects and stuff that. You you watch it and you're like, how the hell did they do that for no money? Like this was literally like a student movie almost. And then you go and watch Brain Dead, which is another movie that he did, which is not a giant movie, but it is full of like visual. Like you're like, wow, how did they do that? And that is so cool. And look how inventive it all is. Everything that you're seeing. But again, the stories of all of them are pretty basic. <laughs> I just think he's interested in visual yeah. storytelling. And when he takes something like King Kong or Lord of the Rings, it's like, well, those stories are already told. I don't have to think about that. But no, we can make them look good. <laughs> like, we can make them look good. So, and don't worry about the story part. Well, the story's t- taken care of if I take on something like that. I can't really mess that up. But I would say in the Hobbit trilogy, I feel like he did mess it up. I feel, I feel like those movies were... The Hobbit was not great. No, they were... They were I hate to say it, but they were kind of boring. <laughs> like, you know? Blasphemy. <laughs> I feel yeah. like The Hobbit... The, like this movie, I feel like The Hobbit series, there was three of them, really only needed to be one movie. It got a bit, like, too much, the three movies. And, you know, The Hobbit is a very, very, very short book. That they made into three movies. Also, a story that didn't fully make 100% sense all the time. So, um, yeah. And again, we were just talking about Peter Jackson, and he didn't actually direct this. Christian Rivers did. 
I think technically there's a lot of good stuff in here, but you know when there's a captain at the ship and Peter Jackson might be the captain of this, but he isn't. <laughs> yeah. Christian is. I feel like, well, even you would say if Peter Jackson was the helm of this, it probably wouldn't be better. No, I just I agree with you. It would not be better. No. So, it wouldn't be better than it is, and it's fine for what it is. Yeah. But, but I, nobody's... Under, I understand completely how people could sit there rolling their eyes and being underwhelmed. Try It's like someone's trying to over-impress you and underwhelm you at the same time. It's very disjointing in your brain. Yeah, if you really love visuals, there's a lot of visuals to like. But then if you really love a nice... But this there, because like I said, unless you watch it a whole bunch of times and slow it down, you literally get about five seconds per sweep around that entire gigantic city. And not because it's low quality. I think that if you, like, as my eye did catch a few details, it did look very modeled and like miniature, even though it's CGI built. So if you didn't go fast, yeah, you might lose some of the like believability so it's just vroom 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 we see it from a distance we see it from the side we swoop around the side but not just to say there are some awesome sets too like the the subway and but again how long were you in there literally 10 seconds yeah maybe 10 seconds walking 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 the camera's panning with them boom you're into another thing that's it i really liked the the flying city I thought that was really cool. There's a there's a flying city in this. I disagree. That was really lame because I mean we have flying cities already and we didn't get to see any of it. And then and immediately, we get to see none of it. Immediately, what's cool about it? That'd in, be my question for you. What's cool about it? Well, immediately when they flew into the flying city, I thought, "Ooh, Bespin! It's like Bespin." What's Bespin? Bespin is a flying uh, the cloud city from Star Wars. Okay, so what's what's cool about that? I just like the idea of a cloud city. Or right, a so it's not city. actually cool. You're just associating it with something else. Well, that- I, no, I thought this one was cool because the the crafts that they were in were like gliders with like they were kind of like a cross between hot air balloons and planes. Yeah, but the whole of it wasn't that cool. And you have to be honest. No, I, I that's one of my favorite parts. I know, but only because you're looking at the ships. But the place is just a big lump, and then we kind of go in for about less than a minute to see. A few of the ships off to the side, hanging off. And then we're in a room. And then we're falling out of the room. And then we're on a thing where the clouds are surrounding them. So we can't even see it anymore. And then fire's all over the place. So I don't understand where's the cool part. Other than in your mind, it's a cool place. Yeah, I really liked the Cloud City. The idea of it. And I really love the... uh, One of the things about this movie I really loved was the design of things. Like, there's a lot of cool ship designs... Um, designs of things, just like the like a USB key that she plugs in, and just <laughs> things like in the world feel. I liked when you're in the museum and there was like old motherboards and you know yeah, like, I love showing that. That was our fun. history. Like yeah, I we're really the like ancient that. ones. Yeah, we're the ancient ones, and our you know the, in in their museum, there's like a, a lot of the stuff was destroyed, so it's just like a very small portion of an iMac. You can see the iMac logo, but it's all rusted out. And, you know, there's things like that where it's like, I would have liked a bit more of that even. Like, you know, using, looking at how we lived, but it didn't really seem to go that way. So, um, thanks to uh, Universal for this movie for review. What's your, oh, extras. I didn't mention extras. There are a bunch of extras, actually. There are. Um... 
End of the Ancients, which is like a museum. You know when you go to a museum and they show you a film about ancient civilization? Well, it's about us. <laughs> We're the ancient civilization. Yeah, I like that. There's a character series in the air and a bunch more. And it's like a five-part behind-the-scenes thing. So there's also a commentary with the director, which I will listen to this week. It has a decent amount of stuff on it, if you um, are a fan. So uh, what's your conclusion? Are you recommending this to people? I don't ever recommend anything. I'm just, I would say, if you like science fiction and you're willing to just sit back, get your popcorn, and, you know, don't overthink it, it's fun. And you'll be like, like you, if you're like you, you'll be like overly impressed with the city. <laughs> I thought it was a lot of fun and <laughs> I liked those fun. things, yeah. It is fun and I like it too, but the reality is it's not it's not as good as your brain wants to hope it is. You know what I mean? So I think, and it's pretty well, there's some violence, but if your kids, if you don't care about that with kids, there's nothing else. Like there's no weird love story going on or no, it's pretty language or anything. Yeah. Yeah. There is violence. So yeah, there's some stabbing. Yeah. And there's some shooting. <laughs> True. But not a ton, to be honest. So, um, yeah, that is the... There's only a little stabbing. Okay. I, um, next week's uh, review will be uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the new Marvel movie. We'll look at that next week. Movie recommendations. I am going on the... Uh, well, first off, I'm going on Mr. Peter Jackson. This is a, a movie called Braindead. Peter Jackson, uh, you'll all know him from Lord of the Rings. I don't know if everybody knows he was a horror director before that. And a very specific genre of horror. Of his, very. It's very blood blood and guts. Think Evil Dead, but like actually amped up from that even. Like it's just really, it's gore movie. And it might help you understand his level of quality, I think. Right. And Brain Dead is one of my favorite like comedy horror movies. It's very much like The Evil Dead 2. It doesn't take itself super seriously, but it's very gruesome. Like, it, I mean, it's very gruesome. There's a scene where he uses a lawnmower to fight all the <laughs> zombies they're not really zombies in that movie they're um there's a spider monkey and it bites what are you saying and it's a disease like that spreads between people i mean it's a zombie movie let's be honest kind of yeah but they're not fu- they're not like fully they're just like <laughs> yeah they're real chompy <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's a cool movie um i recommend it brain dead it's actually called brain damage in some countries, but Brain Dead. What else is it called? Dead Alive. Yeah. It's called Brain Damage, Brain Dead, and Dead Alive. Depending on where you live, it might be one of those three names. And my other one is talking of movies that are huge and they spend millions of dollars on them and nobody watches them or they all think it's terrible. It's the Wachowski Brothers Cloud Atlas, which I actually enjoyed when we watched it. And I'd heard before, oh, everybody hates this movie. I'd already heard all that. And watched it and went, oh, I don't really hate it. What What the hell? It's a <laughs> bunch of stories. It's like five stories. It's one of my favorite things where there's like five stories or more. And they all inter- intersect each other somehow. That's called a pastiche. Yeah, well, that happens in um, Cloud Atlas. Tom mm-hmm. Hanks is in it. It's quite good. I really. It's like they spend like... A hundred million dollars and nobody turns up to see it. It's like that. And it's like, you did get to make it though, and it probably is what you wanted. 
Uh, I like that. Something about that concept. <laughs> <laughs> the failure of... <laughs> the failure of the movie. The failure of, like, hundreds and hundreds of people's efforts. The Wachowskis actually failed, like... They made the... The Matrix was humongous. And then they just failed over and over. Think about it. Yeah. None of those movies made money. None of them, what they made after that. They're going back to The Matrix, I've heard. So maybe that will take off for them. I'll I'll take more Matrix if it's well done. Yeah. Well, they're going back to it for properly. Like it's not like some spin-off or anything. They're actually re, you know, not remaking it, making a new Matrix. Right. So, um, what is your recommendations? Well, in line with this particular movie, again, I was trying to think. I, I even asked you, like, what are some more post-apocalyptic type movies? And there's the standards, of course, Mad Max and whatnot, or like go way in the future, like Fifth Element and. But one of the ones I like the best, the concept of children of men, is not really post-apocalyptic, but something has happened to humanity. We stop, like we can't, we haven't made babies for 20 years, like no new babies have been born. Something's happened to us, right? All of humanity, no more babies. And how the world is sort of like falling apart because of that, because people have no hope. There's no like... You know, as soon as the last person's gone, then that's it. We're not reproducing. It doesn't really explore the science too much, does it? Like to explain, well, we've 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 tried everything. <laughs> a little bit with John Hurt's character. A little bit, yeah. But still, so I really like that idea of sort of a post-human world falling apart kind of idea. Of course, people are always assholes, and everything falls apart, and lots of violence and. Greed and weirdness and blood and guts and dirt. There's always lots of dirt. Um, <laughs> but it's well done. I liked it. And then um, The Bad Batch, which also I'm not sure if it was post-apocalyptic, but it's out in the desert. Uh, you know what? This movie today, I, you know, when I was thinking of when I was saying to you, oh, I'm thinking of Mad Max, I'm thinking of, The Bad Batch actually came into my head. Yeah. Games. Because this is a movie, it's a cheap, it's, this is not a $100 million movie. It's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. And I don't know what's happened to the world. We get no explanation except this young girl, maybe 18 years old, is shoved through a fence. She's come out on a thing which you get in mind like she's a criminal of some kind. She's on a bus full of other criminals, inmates. And then they shove them through this fence into like the desert because that's where you go now when you get in trouble. Everyone who gets in trouble or who doesn't fit. I'm not sure. It's not fully explained. You just wander in the desert. You get dumped out there, basically. And then it's like Mad Max out there. It's really gritty and gross, and there's some cannibalism and some crazy shit going on, which is fascinating. Like Keanu Reeves is around, wandering about. There so. you go. Matrix, looping around, looping yeah. around. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it is captivating. It may not be the highest quality. It's also got Jim Carrey, which yeah, you forget. He's it's just slapped bizarre, in there. isn't it, in general? It is, but it is... I loved it. I thought it was like, whoa, you know, it's it's got its weaknesses, but it's not trying to be. She's a cool a hundred million dollar movie. It's no. trying to tell you the story of this weird effed up situation, and it was really good. So, The Bad Batch and Children of Men. Bad Batch. When was that? That was just like two years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, The Bad Batch kept giving me like vibes of like Spring Breakers and Mad Max mixed together. It was like. <laughs> It was like it was artsy in a way, and but it was also like 
schlocky. Spring like, Breakers didn't have any cannibalism. No, but you know what I'm saying? The way <laughs> Spring Breakers was one thing, but then it was also artsy at the same time. This was like Mad Max and then artsy at the same time. It was it was odd. It was, and it felt odd the entire time. You were like, what is even, what is this? <laughs> but yeah, it was cool. That was quite violent too. Yes. Um, so, uh, Ace Scully stuff this week. Been playing more Apex Legends. It's free. It's on Origin. It's a Battle Royale game. It's free. You might as well play it, right? I've also been playing I more mean, of... That's not, not really my philosophy. Something's out there in the world. I might as well experience it because it's free. It's good. It's really good. It's it's the best free game you'll play, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and Metro Exodus, the Russian game. I've been playing some more of that. You're uh, you're in Russia. It's after the apocalypse, like this movie. You're wandering around. You're trying to find a safe place to live, but there's also mutated stuff and crazy animals, and you have to wear a gas mask. You have to uh, manage that. That's one of the hardcore things about that game. You've got a you're out in radiation zone, and you've got a gas mask that. You can live for like 45 minutes with it on and then you have to change the whatever you, the thing is on a gas mask, the canister, you have to change that, the filter. You have to change that every 45 minutes. And there are moments in that game where you're wandering about and you've no canisters left and there's just 20 minutes left on your thing and you're like, you know, you feel bad. Like, I'm not going to survive. So I've got to go and find a new canister. There's a lot of that in that game. I really like it. Metro Exodus. What's for dinner? Pizza. But not not the store. Well, it is store-bought. It's, it's not a, delivery. Stick it in the oven, pizza. Fro- <laughs> <laughs> Me, the person who loves... I love to cook. It's a new concept. You put it in the oven? <laughs> because we're. it's in honor of us watching In the Factory this week. Inside the Factory. Inside the Factory. It's a British television show, and they show you inside the factory somewhere. I forget where they were. Austria? Where was that factory? No, Italy. Italy. Well, of yeah. course, Italy. Pizza. Where they're making is a frozen <laughs> pizza factory. And uh, I was just like, why did everybody, Why do people knock it? And then they know for a fact that they love frozen pizza. I mean, you can talk about how shitty some of them are. And you can complain about how they don't bake right and the bread's not good and blah, whatever. But I'm telling you, if you're listening to this, you've made a frozen pizza. And probably eaten it all by yourself. Every single bite and been like, oh my God, that's so good. Don't tell anybody I love frozen pizza. So tonight we're having your favorite, Amy's roasted vegetable, because you don't eat cheese. Correct. And I'm having, I forget the name of it now, cauliflower something. So the crust is made of cauliflower. Do you like that? Yeah, I love it. I don't think I've tried it. I'll have to try a piece of the crust. Yeah, it's kind of stinky because it's made out of cauliflower. So you got to be prepared when you're baking it. It's just like... What about when you're eating it? I don't know. Does it smell weird in your mouth? <laughs> it tastes like cauliflower. Like it? Do you like cauliflower? Yeah, I really like well, it. Well, then it's fine. Yeah. But it has cheese on it, so we'll have to peel that off for you. I just want to eat a bit of the crust to see what it tastes like. So that's what we are having for our supper. And what is your advice before we leave? Um, My advice is more of just a statement. If people hang around just for my advice, they'll know. It's not always advice. It's not always great it's not wisdom. It's not knowledge. It's just stuff that pours out of my head. And I was thinking about, you know, I, watch, I look at my Facebook feed every day and look at all the people and the comments and the pray for me and the hope for this and the 
terrible memes and the hateful shit and the and then the same person who said, oh, pray for me, says something horrible and shitty about some other human being and whatever. And then there's always this like, somebody's sick, somebody's having a hard time. I had a old classmate of mine just recently, her whole house burned down. I mean, that's shitty, right? That's And I care about her, but I am a very, I'm not a very big hearted person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... I point it in very specific directions. Mine doesn't spill out all over the place. I'll put it that way. Because I think my philosophy or my personality, whatever's led me to this conclusion, is that caring about people, like really caring about very specific humans in your life, it can be like, and this analogy is because I'm growing my seedlings, of course, in the dining room, it can be like a garden that just, grows life because when you talk to those people you care about when you hear from those people when you're with those people it just brings you to life like you love it even if they're having a hard time or they need something or you know you're just going out to lunch to have a good time or they broke up with somebody so they need a shoulder to cry on all of it still makes you feel like you're kind of breeding life into your into the life you're living also caring about people can be like a suck hole that just drains the life out of you. And it is unnecessary to care openly and bigly for like everybody. If a third person removed from you at work, who's a coworker that you don't even barely know, you find out something bad happened to them and then you, it just crushes you and you want to do whatever you can to like help them out. That's very noble but they probably have people already who are helping them, but you carry it on you like, oh my God, it's just so awful. It's just so awful. Well, that's a suck hole right there. It's sucking the life out of you for no reason. Because A, you probably can't help them. Not really. You're not helping them. You're just putting on this sort of like, I'm such a good person because I care so deeply. And then it's just draining the life out of you and probably the people around you. So there you go. Caring about people can be a garden of life or a suck hole. <laughs> That's very is that word well worded. Is it? See, you always say that, but I don't think that's always the truth. Well, maybe not. <laughs> All right, so you can catch us on aschoolie.com. You can catch Twitter and Facebook. You can go to the Google Music Store, Google Play. You can go to the iTunes Music Store. You can go to TuneIn. YouTube, or just go to aschoolie.com. Click on the RSS feed. It says podcast at the top of the page. You can go there and you can just I'm adding one thing. So you can go to Sid Talk on Instagram if you want to see my gardening pictures. Or whatever else I'm doing. Instagram. Instagram. I'm learning how to use it my way. I just, I hate trendy shit and I hate when people are like, oh, everything's Insta. Or IG and ooh, constantly. But I figured out how to use it in a way that works for me. I look at other people's gardening stuff and art and like some very specific things that I'm interested in. And that's it. It kind of narrows you down to whatever you're interested in. Like Twitter, I suppose. I'm not a big Twitter fan, but I guess I could try it again. But for Instagram, Twitter's just look the up, best. Just look up Sid Talk, C I D T A L K, and you will find me. All right. We will look for you. All of us. You're already following me. All right. So, um, as you should. You can also email feedback to me at aschoolie at com. Don't email SidDoc. She. I mean, you can. She's not very fond I of I don't even read my email every day anymore. You don't? Not really. 
What kind of email emailer are you? You know, it can't. I don't want these things to rule my life. It's really boring to be like, oh, I'm on a routine now. I'm going to go and look at my email and go go my Facebook and look at my Instagram and look at my this and da da da. da. I don't like that shit. If it's, if the urge hits me, I'll do it. If it doesn't, I don't. All right, so uh, don't email because you'll never look at it. <laughs> and I want to say, uh, stay classy, Mr. Peter Jackson. Even though you were not the director of this movie, but the box <laughs> might lead us to think you are. And I'm going to say, think for yourself or someone will do it for you. 